Hi, if you're listening to this, you're probably in nursing school. I just want to remind you that nothing I say should be taken as medical advice. And if what I say differs from your program or your facility policies, please go with what they say. Okay, this is Unit 5 for me, Introduction to the Pediatric Client. And I'm going to start with newborn and the learning objectives for the newborn period are use the nursing process to promote holistic care of the newborn, articulate assessment of the newborn indicating need for interventions based in part by APGAR score. Example is oxygenation. Identify the role of the nurse in administration of pharmacologic therapy of the newborn. Um, the examples are vitamin K, eye prophylaxis, the HBIG, which is the hepatitis B immunoglobulin, and then the HBV, which is the hepatitis B virus vaccine. And the last objective is demonstrate health teaching for parents to promote effective coping and development of effective parental role in prioritizing care and ensuring safety of the infant. And one example is SIDS prevention. So starting with the care of the newborn, the neonatal period is from zero to four weeks. And the first assessment nurses will be doing is the APGAR. It's done at one minute and at five minutes for every single baby. It lets us know whether interventions are necessary. The total score for the APGAR is 10. Most babies will be getting a nine. Um, the appearance is the first A. You can get a top score of two if the baby is pink all over. The score will be a one if the extremities are blue and the score will be zero if the whole baby is pale or blue. The P is for pulse. If it's greater than 100 beats per minute, the baby will get a 2. If it's less than 100 beats per minute, it will be a 1. And if there's no pulse, that's a 0. G is for grimace. If the baby cries and pulls away from stimuli, they'll get a 2. If their grimace happens but there's a weak cry, it'll be a 1. And if there's no response, it's a zero. A is for activity. Active movement gives you a two. Legs flexed and arms flexed will give a one. And if there's no movement, it will be a zero. Respiration, a strong cry will give a two. A slow, irregular respirations will be a one. And no breathing is a zero. So for the pink perfusion, most babies will be a one because there will be some little blue hands or toes or feet. That's very normal. So that's why even the top score will be probably a nine. Um, we are going to initiate chest compressions for any heart rate below 60 in a neonate. And you will definitely get one point for grimace if there's aggressive stimulation necessary to... Um, bring out that grimace. So 7 plus is a normal APGAR. 
4 to 6 is low, and a 3 or less is critically low. Resuscitation begins before the one-minute score if the baby is obviously critically unwell. Um, a score of zero at 10 minutes means the newborn has a low probability of neurological normalcy later in life. So for the nursing care, the first care we do is drying that neonate. They come out wet. Um, keeping them warm is very important because their temperature and blood sugar go hand in hand. If they get too cold, their blood sugar drops. So we're gonna work on warming them, drying them, stimulating them, managing their temperature, managing their blood sugar. And this uh, is important for the first zero to four weeks. And right away, skin to skin is a great intervention. It can be any support person. If there is no skin available, there is the radiant warmer the baby can go in. And it's important to know that babies don't shiver. Their nervous system is not developed, so they have to be kept warm. And they're going to be using up brown fat stores to keep their blood sugar up and their temperature up. So normal newborn vital signs, the temperature will be between 36.5 and 37.5 Celsius. That is 97.7 to 99.4 Fahrenheit. The newborn respirations will be between um, 30 and 60 per minute. That seems quite high. That is absolutely necessary. They're going to have um, some abdominal movements, but what we don't want to see are retractions or nasal flaring. That shows work of breathing. Also, babies will be kind of less active if they're having trouble breathing because they have to really focus on breathing. So that's where the less tone, less active, they might be less uh, focused on eating because they're focused on breathing. Their pulse, a newborn normal pulse is between 110 and 160. And the blood pressure is going to be between 70 and 50 over 45 or th to 30. So next we're going to talk about newborn feeding and elimination. So the normal start is they're going to have one dirty diaper for each day of life. So the first day they might have one and that's hopeful. We want to see one before they're discharge from hospital, but it's not 100% of the time. Feeding should happen every two to three hours for a total of eight to 10 times per day. And the longest they should go without eating is eight hours. Uh, one way to tell if the baby is hydrated, are they peeing? So input and output, always important for nursing. It's important here. When mom's milk comes in, the color and frequency of the baby's poop will change. It will become more frequent and lighter in color. For neonates, indications of not doing well, um, they might have dry cracked lips. They might not have tears when crying. The fontanels on the top of their head might be sunken and they might weight, have weight loss. So that's what we're gonna be looking out for. And then nursing interventions. All of the nursing 
routine interventions can be declined by the parents, and then they would have a conversation with the pediatrician about the risks and benefits to make sure they're educated. So vitamin K is given to help with blood clotting. Because babies lack blood clotting factors at birth, this is a precautionary measure to prevent hemorrhage. And one thing that can cause hemorrhage is circumcision, which happens with some newborn boys. The next intervention is the erythromycin eye ointment. This is given prophylactically to prevent complications in case the mother had gonorrhea when the baby came through the birth canal. It can cause blindness. And then the H uh, hepatitis B immunoglobulin is given to babies with mothers who are diagnosed with hepatitis. And it has to be given within the first week, but ideally within the first 12 hours as soon as possible. And then the same thing with the hepatitis B vaccine. That is an intervention that is given within the first 24 hours, ideally. Uh, the next nursing task is parent education. There's going to be so much education happening. This is something that's going to happen from the minute the parents are there, before the baby's born, all the way through their stay, and then every time you see them. So we're going to talk about bathing, how to take care of the umbilical cord, how to take care of a circumcision if they had one, uh, making sure that baby proofing and firearms are locked up, no balloons, <laughs> teach them when they're going to have follow-ups with their providers and the pediatrician, and what warning signs there are for when they need to bring that baby back in. And there are appropriate moments to insert these educational topics um, whenever you're taking care of the family. And then, if possible, do care in the room with the family. And it supports bonding. And there's really no reason to take the baby away for most routine care. And then when you're doing that, you can observe the family unit and you can involve the parents in the care, which helps with education. The other education that's going to happen is feeding support and education. They're going to need to know all kinds of things about um, if they're breastfeeding or formula feeding. There may be tongue ties, helping with breastfeeding latch, teaching them how to mix formula, um, and then telling them what's normal. So normal newborn stuff, um, their weight, healthy infants can lose five to 10% of their birth weight in the first three to four days. Their birth weight should be regained within 10 days. That's a milestone and greater than 10% loss requires intervention. And that's going to be observation and education on feeding. We're going to watch um, how they're feeding, maybe give education on manual breast expression or pumping after the baby feeds to kind of increase the breast milk supply. If they lose 17% of their body weight, they will need a glucose IV immediately to regain the strength to even eat. Baby tummies are tiny, so feeds are going to be tiny. By day three, 
they're only eating one ounce at a time and their stomach is the size of a walnut. So one consideration to teach with formula feeding, um, the same or less effort by the baby can give them more volume with formula feeding. And so they can get overfed pretty easily. And that's just something we have to be aware of and teach the parents to watch for. Uh, another normal thing, normal finding for newborns, they're going to have something called vernix caseosa, which is a kind of a paste on their skin. It's white. It absorbs into their skin and it's harder to wipe off. It's totally fine. It's protected their skin in the wet amniotic environment. So you may also see dry peeling skin. This is really common on the hands and feet. And we're just going to educate the parents that it's normal, it's fine, it doesn't need anything, don't peel it, it will resolve on its own. Another normal finding is acrocyanosis. This is the blue-tinged feet and hands due to sluggish peripheral circulation. This is not anything but a normal finding. It doesn't mean they're cold, it doesn't mean they're sick. Um, if their head or trunk is blue, or their mucous membranes are pale, that's when we worry. That's a sign of cyanosis. Another normal finding is cradle cap. They might have overproduction of natural oils and they can have kind of a buildup on their scalp or anywhere on their skin. Um, it's just an adjusting period and they can use um, a soft brush to comb it and it, it again will not last forever and it's fine. Next one is the erythema toxicum. That sounds really bad, but it's not. It's just the newborn acne. It's a newborn rash. It can happen anywhere on the body, and it usually resolves by two to three days after birth. And we're just going to teach the parents, don't pick it, don't put anything on it, and don't worry about it. Um, breast milk won't hurt if they want to spray that on the baby's face. <laughs> um, milia, that's another normal finding. These are small white cysts on the face and they disappear in a few weeks. And again, it's normal, don't do anything to it. Another normal finding, Mongolian spots. These are, it's a dark bluish gray colored pigmentation that can look like a bruise and it's typically found on the buttocks or back and it's just excess pigment and lightens over time. So for patient education, make sure that we point this out so they don't see it later and worry, but educate them that it's normal and that it is just pigmentation. Another one is normal finding is called stork bite. These are flat dilated capillaries and we can see them in light skinned babies and they're found on their nose, on their eyes, back of their neck, sometimes face, and they fade and disappear usually by age two. Again, no interventions needed. Um, the parents should be picking a provider, a pediatrician, before the baby's born, and the first visit should occur by five days. Um, usually the first visit is with a nurse, and they're going to be checking feeding, safety, education. They're going to be identifying any protective factors and risk factors of the safety, home conditions, 
they're going to screen the parent, the mother for postpartum depression. And of course, they're going to start the measurements of growth and development. And we're going to teach the parents when they need to contact the provider. And that's going to be if the baby has a fever of 104 Fahrenheit or more, if they are not having wet diapers, if they are skipping more than one feeding. And then another educational topic right then at the first visit is going to be the hepatitis vaccine if they haven't done it yet. And then talk about the fact that injuries are a leading cause of death of both newborns and infants. They can be stuck in couches, rolled over on bed, um, entrapped in furniture. They can be burned if they're being worn by a uh, baby worn while somebody is cooking. Um, babies can drown in a tiny amount of water and they also should be watching to make sure their hot water tank is set to a safe temperature. Um, again, we're going to educate on the proper use of car seats. Um, when the parent is leaving, they're going to install and buckle their own car seat, um, but we're going to make sure it's done properly and observe. And then we're going to educate not to bundle up the baby in a big puffy coat before putting on seatbelt and don't ever leave the baby to sleep in the car seat or leave them unattended in the car seat. Um, the positioning of their neck and airway while they're sitting in a car seat can kind of close it off. And so a baby's not going to turn its head and like get more air. So we need to watch for them. And then we're going to educate on healthy sleep habits. By three to four months, infants should have fewer night awakenings. And we're going to educate them that their sleep patterns are related to hunger and growth. So sometimes breastfeeding infants will have cluster feeding. And that's not a sign that they're not getting enough. It's a sign that they're stimulating the breast to produce more. And that is normal. And they'll do that right before they're about to grow. And then around two years old, but it varies widely, their sleep patterns should begin to make more sense and hopefully sleeping longer stretches. There are healthy sleep habits that we're going to need to educate on, and these will help reduce the risk of SIDS. SIDS is Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. And it is most common between the ages of two and four months. It's more common in the winter and it's more common in male babies. Most SIDS is related to hypoxia issues. Babies should sleep on their backs with no toys, no bumpers, and sleeping safety is number one. So they should be on a firm surface on their back with no toys, soft blankets, or anything in the crib. A fan in the room is correlated with decreased risk of death from SIDS, and pacifier use is also associated with decreased risk. Um, next we have the infant section, and it's going to change the objectives. So the objectives for infant to adolescent are to apply principles of growth and development theories to care of the pediatric patient. 
It's also to use the nursing process to prioritize and manage common childhood illnesses and healthcare issues for patients across the spectrum of infant, toddler, school-age child, and adolescent care. And examples of these are immunizations, common childhood illnesses, and healthy self-care as the child grows. And what's going to be happening is the development of their personality and cognitive function. And at zero to two years old, this is the stage known as the sensory motor stage. And they will experience things by touch and feel. And Erickson's stage is called the trust versus mistrust. And this is when they're building the emotional foundation and knowing who they can count on. And for most infants, this is going to be their mama and their needs at this time are love, nurturing, comfort. They enjoy swaddling, a higher pitched voice, rocking, and um, to manage them at this stage, we're not going to give them a bunch of choices, but we might give them a choice like, which juice do you want after your medicine? And we're gonna approach them slowly, make sure that we get the trust of the mom and make sure that we are a positive presence and give them time to adjust. And then from two to six years old, this is the pre-operation stage where they start to see how the world relates to them as the center of the universe. And so they are egocentric and the Erickson stage is the autonomy versus doubt. And they're beginning to assert themselves in the world. And of course they're not 100% sure. So for us, the techniques that we're going to use are talking to the child between ages of two and six. They can definitely use choices, rewards. They enjoy recognition for their accomplishments or their contributions. And they are still in magical thinking. What they need from us is acceptance and approval. Verbal affirmations do that. So don't try to reason with them. They're extremely concrete thinkers, but they love stories and magic and maybe drawings. We're going to use real terms for the body parts and use simple direct language so that they understand and be consistent. Okay, so in the older child, we're getting age six to 11 years old. They are in concrete operations still. They're looking at cause and effect. We have to be careful with metaphors. Um, we're not gonna say, we're gonna put a little stick in your arm because they might actually think you're going to put a twig in there. We're going to um, bring them into the conversation. They want to be part of everything. They want everything to be fair. Um, Let's see, talk to them, acknowledging them, being honest and fair is very important. 
Sibling rivalry is a big issue at this age between 6 and 11. And they will not be fooled by magic. (laughs) Strategies for school-age kids. Um, We're just going to explain reasons. They are in the why, 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 why stage. And so pictures and examples and show and tell. Um, And then, of course, we're going to assess their knowledge. So at this age, between 6 and 11, they know what's going on with themselves. And so we can ask them questions. And if they have a medical issue, they might know more than we do. So before we do any patient teaching, we're going to assess their knowledge. We're going to allow them to select their own rewards after treatments. And these kids are open to ways to help themselves and to take action and ownership. So we can teach them techniques for calming down. We can teach them kind of self-care stuff and always include this child in all the discussions. 12 to 13 years old. These ones are really getting into the big world. They're starting abstract thinking. They're beginning to get complex concepts, but they are still thinking concretely. They are very moody and their biggest need is to be understood and to feel that they are normal. So for us, a strategy is to talk to them, tell them what we're going to do and why it's important, and then teach back is key so that they understand and also can explain um, what's going to happen and why. And that is how we know they understand. So ages 14 to 16, these kids are mostly abstract thinking. They understand concepts. Sometimes they'll revert back to concrete thinking. They are risk takers. They feel immortal. Um, Their brains are still developing at this age and they look grown up, but they're not able to really connect what they're doing today to the future implications. Their big needs are friends and autonomy. And we're going to use strategies just communicating our expectations, ask them what they think, respect their views, and of course tell them that we expect responsibility from them. And 16 to 20 year olds, they are thinking abstractly, but they are very inexperienced. So we're going to never assume that they understand or already know something. And they are very emotional and can also feel very immortal. And this will interfere with their logical thinking and decision. So at this age, they have a strong need to make their own decisions, even when they are underinformed. And they might have friends um, or partners at their doctor's appointments. And we're going to talk to them, tell them the facts, ask their views and tell them we're there for them. Um, We're not going to be in a parental guidance type of role as nurses. We are their patient advocates. We are team members and supporters for them. And for adolescents, we're going to give written and verbal explanations. We will take their history and provide them with explanations. Make sure to have time alone with them to get their own words without their support people. 
And it's our job to ensure a safe exploration of topics. We're not going to judge them. We will listen to it all before offering suggestions and always verify that other teens in their situation feel the same ways. We have to choose our words carefully, find common ground with these these kids, and speak as an equal. Value their own opinions. Um, This is their health and their life, so don't force any issues on them and just realize that they do have a say in this. So health teaching by the nurse is important. We're going to promote their health by giving them information without them having to ask. So for adolescents, we're going to talk about safe sex. Even if it's not an issue for them, they deserve to have the knowledge. And then if you're speaking to a group with parents and kids, we're not going to single out any, any person and speak directly. We're going to speak generally. And then there's some cultural competence tips with kids. Um, cultural competence is a little different when we're talking about children instead of different cultures. So between the ages of two to four, their culture is cartoons. They're interested in pets, toys, um, ages five to 10. They may have sports and activities they participate in. They still watch cart or superhero movies, maybe Disney movies ages 11 to teens, we're going to ask them what they're into. Uh, Might be sports and activities, movies, gaming, music, and friends, maybe a partner. Um, The parents. Parents can be tricky customers, and we're not going to assume anything. We're going to give them clear explanations in layman's terms. We're going to have honest, gentle, straight talk. Prepare them if something's going to be difficult. Educate them on what to expect and what we need from them. And that's from the parents. They're going to be able to help. Acknowledge and diffuse any parental guilt. Uh, When your child is hurt or ill, it's going to be an emotional time. So as a nurse, we're going to say, we're going to deflect. We're going to say, okay, we are here now. We're going to understand that this is an emotional time. We wish we could change the circumstance, but here's our goals now. Let's move forward. And we might expect a stress response from parents and give them some leeway because their behavior might not be uh, perfect. Talking with parents of teens. Teens are in the transition period to adulthood and it can be very hard for the teens and the parents. They might be having some pressure regarding adult issues, and we're going to tell the parents that we speak with the teen together and in private. We respect the teen's right to privacy and respect the parent's role. And we will encourage open communication between them. Um, Maybe if the teen doesn't feel like they want to broach some kind of subject, we can encourage them to, but it's not our job to do the broaching ourselves. We can say, I know this is a tough topic to talk about in front of your parents, but would it help you if I come with you and we do it together? Somehow, um, just empowering. So medication administration. So the considerations are that most medications for children under three 
are going to be in liquid form and taken orally. Hospitalized children will have IVs and IV medication. Um, teaching parents how to give medication orally, how to dose it accurately, that's really important. That's a nursing intervention. We can teach the child to squirt the medication into their own mouth if they are wanting to do that or makes them more cooperative. Offer flavors for better acceptance of the medications. And then arms around training is where we try to secure the child who's resisting without restraining a child. And that's the technique is to hold the child as if they're cuddling against their parent's chest with their head away from the nurse. And then um, maybe can do our interventions around that hold. And any force applied to a child is going to be met with resistance. So we're going to avoid holding them tight and be gentle. Child-friendly encounters. Um, these have some criteria. No white coats. Have staff trained on communications. Maybe special technical and interactive equipment for the children. A specific room for treatments for children. And then they can return back to their safe zone, which could be their room or some other area. Pain control policies for pediatrics are very strict. They should always have non-pharmacological pain relief at all times. Warm blankets, ice packs, warm packs, treats, band-aids. Allow the parents or support people to stay with the children during procedures as they can. And allow the parents to stay 24-7 with the child. Um, pain in children. Unaddressed pain has effects like panic. This or physiological effects will be panic, behavioral effect, screaming, not complying. Um, so therapies for non-pharmacological pain. We can do play, massage, toys, pet therapy, you know, again, the warm and cool packs, um, whatever we can. Pediatric growth and development. So from the infant, which is zero to first year, the major developmental milestones are they're going to roll over four months old, sit up between four and six months. Standing happens around 10 months and using the pincer grasp with the thumb and forefinger is between eight and 10 months. Uh, they'll be able to say one or two words around 9 to 12 months. Um, that's an average. Not everybody does. Milestones are helpful for comparing to the average, um, and they can be indicators for referrals. Um, for infant growth and development, we are going to assess them every time we see them, and that's going to include a physical assessment, measuring the length, weight, and head circumference, looking at their reflexes, and calculating where they are in the growth chart, which is the percentile. Developmental assessment, they're going to be measured against developmental milestones, and those are the ones we talked about, standing, rolling over. Um, if a baby has a flat head, that is 
normal, um, but we would want to advise them to spend more time on their tummy. Don't let them sleep in the car seat or on anything hard because their heads are still soft and malleable. We're going to check nutrition and oral health. How are they being fed? How much are they eating? What are they having? Are they bottle feeding or breastfeeding? And then around four to six months, most babies will be really interested in food and parents will introduce foods for taste and exposure, not really to like get nutrition. And then for oral health, it's always important to not prop the bottles, uh, make sure they're getting good nutrition. That'll help with their dentition. Um, see, we are going to find out if there's fluoride in their water that they're getting. And then what kind of activity? We're going to assess the physical activity. How are their muscles developing? Encourage them to have motor behavior in all body parts. Promote activities supervised on their stomach, which is really important for development of their back and neck muscles. We're going to assess protective and risk factors, always. Injury pre prevention, accidents. Um, we'll talk about not putting babies on high surfaces, watching them with their siblings, making sure they're always buckled into strollers, and the proper car seat safety, always. Educate the family on their physical activity needs and supportive environment needs. Assess the mental and spiritual health of the caregiver. Check them for postpartum blues. Just check in. Watch their caregiver-infant interaction. What kind of intrafamily support they have? What are the dynamics there? How is the infant's temperament? Are they moody? Do they seem stressed? Are they sleeping? Um, when Developmental milestone is the stranger and separation anxiety that can happen around six to eight months. We're going to assess the family. How are they transitioning to becoming a unit? How are they adapting? There will be psychosocial screenings for the strengths and needs in the family. Um, how is everything going in social development? Our role is um, to make sure they are educated on disease and injury prevention, on the immunizations that are going to be needed. Um, there are some metabolic screenings that happen right away around the 24-hour mark <laughs> and at two weeks, and that's when they poke the heel and take some blood. Um, those might be, I don't even know what they check for. Um, but we're also going to check the blood pressure, vision, and hearing screenings, and then do the risk factor assessment for the household. Is there smoking? Make sure they know back to sleep for SIDS prevention. Teach them the basics, even all the way down to hand hygiene. So injury prevention, we can't teach the babies, so it all has to be prevented by parent education. And that's teaching prevention, teaching them about home dangers, choking prevention, 
car seat safety. Uh, rear facing in the back seat until at least two, but the longer the better. And making sure that homes that they might be spending time at outside of their own home are also baby proofed. Never leaving animals alone with babies. Um, and then so that's all the infants. Wow, that was a lot. So now we're into the toddlers. So the milestones for toddlers, uh, between one to two years, a toddler, let's, let's stop there. Toddlers are from one to three years. Okay, their milestones, between one and two years, they will walk up and down stairs, start scribbling on paper, and start running. Between two and three years, they're going to be jumping, kicking a ball, undressing themselves, throwing a ball overhand, and maybe have a vocabulary of a thousand words and start using short sentences by three years old. And at these milestone appointments, we will definitely be doing physical assessment, measuring their length, weight, and head circumference still. By age two, they will be four times their birth weight and approximately half of their adult height. Their body proportion is going to change to have less head. So they'll have longer legs, smaller head with a pot-bellied appearance, and we will again calculate the growth percentiles. And at this age, the growth is going to slow down. And developmental assessment, measuring against those developmental milestones, checking for their nutrition. At this age, toddler age, between one to three, they may have physiologic anorexia. Their metabolic demands are changing and their appetite decreases. This is normal. Their growth is going to slow. Uh, we're going to educate the parents to offer nutritious food frequently in small portions and teach them how to use cups and utensils. Oral health is important. They're going to have all their teeth by age two and a half. They're going to have 20 teeth and that's all those baby teeth. Teach the parents to start oral hygiene habits early. Um, one habit that's often neglected is the first dental visit should be done by one year old just to start establishing that routine and familiarity. Physical activity. Encourage physical activity in toddlers, their motor activity, running, hopping, pushing, pulling, throwing. Limit sedentary behaviors. Uh, vary the physical setting and exposure to their environment. This helps with the development of motor skills. Making sure they're going to places like park, pool, daycare, participating in household tasks like putting away towels, folding things, helping. And for children, they should be getting a minimum of 60 minutes unstructured play per day, a minimum of 60 minutes structured play per day, and a maximum of 60 minutes of sedentary time other than sleep. So for the mental and spiritual health, we're going to assess the interactions with their family and healthcare providers. Um, new accomplishments. They might be starting to self-soothe, self-regulate their emotions. They might be experiencing tantrums. Um, redirection is gonna be important. Are they having any excessive fixation on food or objects? 
find out what the parents are noticing about them. Discipline techniques. We're going to ask the parents about what kind of discipline they're starting, um, not to judge anyone, but because the child is developing a sense of right and wrong, and that should be nurtured. They're going to be developing sleep routines, relationships, uh, siblings, family time, child care, for disease and injury prevention, again, it's going to be teaching them hygiene, teaching about the immunizations that are upcoming, screening for asthma and obesity, uh, injuries. This age is very accident prone too, um, so drowning, burns, poisoning, those are all concerns that parents need to be looking out for. Also car seat safety, they can be rear facing in the back seat. Um, the milestones for preschooler. So this is after the toddler period, we're on to preschooler, ages three to six years. Their milestones are using scissors, riding a bike, bicycle with training wheels, writing a few letters. Um, all parts of their speech will be developed. They're probably communicating pretty well at this age. Um, for growth and development surveillance, we'll be doing the physical assessment, comparing their growth, their height and weight, um, to check their trends to make sure they're still on track. Uh, we'll calculate their BMI for the first time. And incorporate play into the examination. Developmental assessment, we're going to measure against developmental milestones and involve the parents in assessment there. Their nutrition and oral health. Uh, they will need everything, salt, fat, calories, fruits, vegetables, protein. They're going to be developing their likes and dislikes. We'll assess the mealtime environment for healthy family eating patterns. Assess their teeth and their sugar exposure. Is there fluoride in the water? Um, make sure their hygiene is going good. And... For physical activity, encourage them to um, use their balance. They should be skipping, throwing, catching. We're going to discourage inactivity, limit TV and computer time, assess protective and risk factors and injury prevention techniques in the home, make sure they're using protective gear, helmets, elbow pads, um, they can have bruises and skin knees and that's normal at this age. We're going to assess their mental and, and spiritual health, assess their communication patterns, what the kids' activities are, developmental task achievement, discuss positive discipline because their self-voice at this age is developing and it's really important. Make sure they're getting adequate sleep, um, Nightmares and night terrors are common, and they are very different. Night terrors happen while they're still sound asleep, and nightmares um, they wake up from. They're increasing self-control. They're starting to participate in religious practices of their families. Relationships. The child at this age affects their family and is affected by their family. They're an active participant in the family. They might have chores. They may be making contributions. Um, for disease and injury prevention, 
it's still going to be important to focus on hygiene teaching, immunizations, screening, and screening the environmental factors around them. Is there smoking in the home? Is the neighborhood safe? What kind of exposure to toxins? Uh, how much television, video games? And then teaching digital safety. If they are accessing the internet, they are accessing strangers. And that has to come with some boundaries from the parents. Um, major injury risks for the age are going to be motor vehicle accidents. Make sure they're still in a car seat, forward facing now in the back seat. Pedestrian safety, they can learn to look both ways, uh, hold hands and when they're crossing the street. Uh, they should be dressed properly for the weather. Um, make sure that firearms are put away and locked up. And then for school age, that's the next after preschool. School age is 6 to 12 years. And their milestones are they should have reading ability, riding a two-wheeled bike, jumping rope, playing organized sports. They're going to use language with maturity, they're learning boundaries and communication and appropriateness and context. Uh, their growth and development is going to be assessed their height, weight, and BMI, their vision and hearing, muscular development and coordination. Um, they might be going through growth spurts, and this can be a time they might have a degenerative muscle condition that can be assessed. And the child at this age is going to participate in the examinations. Nutrition and oral health will assess their food preferences, the typical mealtime quality and quantity, and see if there are any nutritional risk and protective factors. We will teach them healthy eating habits and to make healthy choices at school and at home for their oral health. Assess those teeth. They're going to be getting some permanent teeth. Um, they should be having dental exams every six months and they will have both baby and permanent teeth in their mouth. And we'll assess their oral hygiene habits. Physical activity, make sure they're having planned regular activity and that's really important for their health. Assess the risk and protective factors in the home. Mental and spiritual health, teach them, make sure they're developing actually, self-esteem and self-concept. They're going to have increasing independence and responsibility for themselves. They're developing body image, developmental milestones, sexuality and sexuality education that starts with consent. And um, that is something that we can influence by making sure that consent for healthcare touching is taught and uh, used. Um, sleep hygiene. How are they sleeping? Are they alone in their bed? Are they using a TV to sleep? Um, how is school? What's good? What's good? <laughs> Do they have a positive outlook on school and a positive outlook on their development? Mental and spiritual health. Relationships. We're going to assess the family dynamics, the communication patterns, uh, encouragement and support. They're getting consistent rules and expectations. What is the extent of peer influence on the child? What is their appearance and dress? Are they dressed appropriately for the weather? 
Um, this can be, we can assess for signs of neurodivergence, uh, might be signs of puberty. If they're bruising at this age, they're not as accident prone. So we would be looking for maybe signs of abuse. Media use and exposure. Are there rules, discipline, and boundary around internet use and media use? Um, for disease, at school age, they're generally healthy. Make sure we reinforce those strategies to maintain their health, which is hand hygiene, nutrition, etc. Teach them with hands-on teaching practices. Evaluate their immunization records to see if they are delayed or um, all caught up. They should have hepatitis A and B, polio and MMR, Tdap, varicella, HPV, meningococcal, conjugate, and influenza every year. Influenza every year, but those other ones should be caught up. Injuries, um, they might be injured during play. They should be using protective gear for sports. And firearm safety is always a concern at home. And then we are on to adolescent. And this is between 12 and 18 years. The milestones are their fine motor skills should be well-developed. Their gross motor skills are improving due to growth spurts. They're able to apply abstract thought and analysis. Um, we're going to assess their growth and development with their BMI, their height and weight. Um, is there any food insecurity concerns do they have what they need to grow? Is there restriction or overeating going on with the adolescent? Privacy concerns are important at this age. Information and wisdom needs to come from somewhere, and sometimes it's hard to receive it from their own parents. For the physical exam, we're going to assess um, nutrition, oral health, diet history. Um, is there use of supplements? Are they taking vitamins? Fluoride, is there weight management happening? Supplements like creatine can damage their kidneys if they're not used properly. Uh, is the adolescent concerned about weight loss? Are they dieting? What are their meal times like? Who, when, and where? What's the atmosphere for food? Are they having good nutrition with appropriate calories, fats, and proteins? We're going to educate them. They are old enough to take control of their diet. Um, reduced sugars, that would be a good topic. What's their physical activity? What type are they participating in? What muscle groups are they using? How many minutes per day? What's the quality? Is it aerobic activity, muscle building? If they're weightlifting, educate them. Spotters are important and Whatever they're doing, they should be using appropriate protective gear. For their mental and spiritual health, assess their self-concept. What's their body image like? How do they deal with stress and disappointment? Uh, relationships can be sticky during this time. Do they have someone to talk to and someone to trust when things go wrong? Uh, who they have as a support person, their peers, their family. For mental and spiritual health. Assess them for signs of depression and substance abuse. This group is this age group is at a higher risk of both depression and substance abuse, and some signs 
Signs of substance abuse could be changes in school performance, sleep and appetite, unusual behavior like getting into trouble at school, accidents or other unexplained events, the lack of responsibility taken for actions, increase in mood changes, inability to set goals, and a variety of physical changes depending on what substance might be being used. Signs of depression, changes in appetite and weight, changes in sleep schedules and patterns, changes in school performance, physical complaints, loss of interest and pleasure in usual activities and friends, depression, irritability, poor concentration, feelings of worthlessness, helplessness, and thoughts of death or suicide. For disease and injury prevention of adolescents, um, the diseases may be like acne, skin infections, body piercing and tattooing. They might have sports overuse injuries, some serious health issues that pop up around adolescents, scoliosis, anemia, depression, STDs, injuries, they're always at risk of motor vehicle accidents, but especially when they're new drivers, reinforce driving laws, driving safely, um, alcohol is a risk for injury, a water safety, like life jacket wearing, making sure they're not drinking while doing sporting. Uh, they might have injuries during sports. Make sure we teach them about sun safety, using sunscreen and no tanning beds. Firearms, of course, make sure they know safety. And then domestic abuse and other types of abuse, we've got to educate them and assess them for risks and protective factors. And that's it, finally. Oh my goodness. Um, so I don't see any medications for this age. Um, so that wraps it up for patient-centered care for children and youth.